Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. I have a very exciting episode for you today. We have a very special guest. Her name is Kira Busanich, and she is the owner and chief baker of Kira's Bake Shop, and that is in Lake Oswego, Oregon, which is a suburb of Portland. Now, Kira's Bake Shop has been named as one of the top 10 reasons to visit Portland, which, if you know the food up there, is quite an accomplishment. She has been the winner of Cupcake Wars on the Food Network, not once, not twice, but actually three times. And what's even more remarkable about this is that she cooks gluten-free. She has a wonderful story here, which I don't want to ruin by me uh, giving it all away in the introduction. So let's just jump right ahead into today's episode. Kira, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Straight Shot Health Talk. Thanks for having me, Kevin. All right. So we kind of touched a little bit on your background here, but can you give me a little bit more detail, you know, who you are, where you are, uh, what you do, and what your life is like now? Yeah, uh, things are crazy. You're actually catching me. We're in the middle of expansion. So I'm going back and forth between doing research on the computer at home, running the shop that's currently in operations, and then trying to make the decisions for build out in the new place. Oh, wow. So um, I'm kind of all over the place at the moment. All right. Excited. And um, my day, you know, it varies depending on what I'm doing. I spend a lot of time in research and development, coming up with new products. Once the recipes are perfected, I tend to hand it over to my staff and let them keep doing the production, the daily production. So I flit around quite a bit. Quite a bit. Well, I was, I was actually watching some of the, uh, the recaps on some of these Cupcake Wars episodes, and they were fascinating because with your gluten-free cupcakes, you know, sometimes they have their judges are extraordinarily harsh. And if you ever watch the show... You know, oftentimes with these cooking shows, there's like, well, you you did great with your frosting, but your, your you know your cupcake was dry, right? They always have something bad that they just pound you with, and yours were like they were just raving about the whole thing. Now, I do have to ask you though, most people don't just jump into gluten free cooking. This is usually a you know people don't all of a sudden just decide that they're going to go gluten free. There's usually an impetus. There's a reason for it. So, where you are now with your bakery and your gluten-free uh, recipes, how did that all start? I also did not jump into gluten-free baking. <laughs> and in fact, a bit, it, I was really sick, um, mostly growing up through my teen years and my early 20s. And when I was 20, I was at school and was diagnosed with Crohn's disease after about nine months of medical testing. And I had just been getting progressively worse. I had no energy, my hair was falling out. Um, I had stomach aches and other gastrointestinal distress all the time. And the doctor said, oh, maybe it's leukemia, or maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And they started testing me for everything under the sun. I was in my junior year of college at the time and wanted to be going out with my friends and going bowling and going to parties and doing things and, you know, going to class too. And I was too sick to really do any of that. So I spent uh, first semester of my junior year in the hospital, in and out of the hospital, getting tested. And finally, my gastroenterologist said, well, we've narrowed it down. We've eliminated all the other possibilities. It's either Crohn's disease or it's celiac disease. And I had never heard of either. So I said, well, what are they? You know, just so I can be prepared going into this last procedure. And he said, celiac disease is the body's intolerance to the gluten protein, which is found in wheat, among other places. And the way to 
fix yourself from that is to remove that from your diet. And I said, well, I don't want that because I like pasta and cupcakes and cookies and muffins. So what's the other one? And he said, well, it's your body. They're both autoimmune diseases. But he said Crohn's disease is your body breaking down itself and rather than the food that you're eating. And I said, yeah, yeah, give me that one. I hope that's what it is. So he did the procedure and I came out of it and he said, well, indeed, it is Crohn's disease. And they handed me a whole bunch of medication which didn't really help. It sort of lessened the symptoms, but I still had stomach aches all the time, um, still didn't have much energy. We went through over the next eight years, all the different meds um, that was out there on the market that was currently approved, even the black label meds where I was having to go in every three months and have brain and liver panel function or panels done to test the function, make sure I was still working. And it was really scary, especially given the fact that it didn't take away my symptoms. And there were days that I couldn't stand upright. And friends would say, you know, I was 27 and friends would say, hey, let's go hiking tomorrow. And I would say, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm going to have energy to go anywhere. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to leave the house. So it was pretty scary. And I got to a point where this was not living. This was surviving, but I wanted to thrive. And I was in my mid to late 20s. And I just felt like I should have so much more energy. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom has Hashimoto's as well as a couple other excuse me, autoimmune issues. And her doctor had told her that virtually anybody with an autoimmune process going on would probably see benefit by going gluten-free simply because it reduces the inflammation in the body. And so she'd been kind of on my case for a while to try going gluten-free. And I was like, no, I don't, you know, I like to eat. And these are all the things that I like to eat. And when my gastroenterologist came to me and said, you're not responding to the prednisone that we've had you on for the last two years, you can't have any more CT scans because you've had too much radiation in the last year um, and you're not responding to any of these other meds that are out there, we need to take your intestines out. That was my big aha moment. Like, let me try going gluten-free first. Let me try everything else before you cut. And the doctor said, you might not be alive in a month, you know, and that's how long it would really take to see any kind of result. And I said, just let me try because I wanted to know that if I had to go down that step, I had done everything in my power beforehand to fix myself. So I had a big binge meal, felt terrible afterwards. I had pasta and then ice cream cone with brownie ice cream in it, was so sick. But three days after that, I was able to stand upright all the way rather than being kind of hunched over, you know, with my hands on my guts. Um, couple days after that, I was able to leave the house to go someplace other than the hospital, which was the first time that I could remember in months and I was walking through the grocery store and I wasn't bent over leaning on the cart like I usually did. I was standing upright and I was pushing the cart. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with what it's like, but when you live with chronic pain and you suddenly have a break in that chronic pain, it's like part of you is waiting for the other shoe to drop and when's it going to come back? And the other part of you is like, wow, everything is so clear and this is what other people feel like. So it was a pretty eye-opening experience for me. And the doctor is amazed. Um, I've been six years with no meds whatsoever. It's been at least that long since I last went to the hospital. And he actually called me at home himself, not the nurse, but he himself called me. And he wanted to make sure I was still alive because I hadn't refilled my prescription. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could just imagine that, actually. <laughs> so, so I said, yeah, not only am I still alive, I'm great. So that was really what started getting me eating gluten-free. Um, at the time, you know, we're talking nine years ago, there was not a lot of gluten-free options out there. And the ones that were, were certainly not delicious. 
and most of the cakes and cookies and all of, you know, there wasn't pasta. And most of the stuff that was available was pretty nasty, kind of like overly sweet and sawdust, you know? And so I started looking around for something I wanted to make for me. Um, do you want the long story or the short story? No, this is great. Um, tell me the long story. Okay. So um, I had a desk job that I didn't particularly like, but the thing that was good about it while I was sick is that I could sit down and they were pretty flexible whether I came into work or worked from home. Um, but I didn't love the job because it wasn't fulfilling and I wasn't sure what my calling was or what I was supposed to do. And one day, shortly after I was married, my husband was reading the Steve Jobs commencement address to Stanford where, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but Steve Jobs said, the only way to do great work in life is to love what you do. And if you look in the mirror every morning and you ask yourself, do I love what I do? And the answer is a resounding no too many days in a row. You need to change it. And so he read it and I got chills all over and I was just sobbing. And he was wiping my tears away. And he was like, okay, if you were going to graduate today, what would you do? And I, he said, don't think, just answer. And I said, I'd go to pastry school. Now, this is really interesting because I always loved to bake. I've always loved cooking. When I was a little kid, I had a subscription to Sunset Magazine, Cooking Light, Martha Stewart, not Tiger Beat and Teen Idol like most girls. And I would rip out dessert recipes and put them in a folder and try them. And that was just what I was always passionate about. But it didn't occur to me that this was a real job. And so I was thinking, you know, I need an office job because that's what real people do and, you know, got to be an adult. We had the mortgage to pay. My husband was finishing his doctorate at the time. And I said, well, you know, I can't quit my job because we need to pay the bills. And he said, go to pastry school. We'll figure it out. So the next day I applied and it was this totally awesome experience. You know, I was learning something that I was passionate about every day, but I couldn't eat a lot of the stuff that I was making because it certainly was not gluten free school. So um, I was sick a lot. I missed on average about one day a week from class, just from all the flour and stuff in the air. But it was just, I don't know, I learned the ingredient function and what roles eggs play, and what role vinegar plays and sugar and fat and gluten. And I think that really helped when I started converting recipes for myself to eat gluten-free because I know what different functions I'm looking for and what texture I'm looking for. Um, and I had never planned to start a bakery. You know, it was not the goal. My goal was to have something that I could eat and then to enjoy what I was doing in a restaurant kitchen somewhere. And it kind of spiraled that people kept coming to me and asking me to make special delivery, you know, cupcakes for this birthday. Uh, I did this wedding cake, a three-tier giant wedding cake for a huge wedding. And at the wedding, a whole bunch of people at the wedding, guests, came up to me and said, oh, do you have a card? You know, I hear you can also make gluten-free stuff. And I said, well, that was gluten-free. And if you liked it, I'm happy to do more. And so it really just kind of spiraled from their word of mouth. Awesome. 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 Now, you brought up a couple of really interesting points in what you were saying. And, um, you know, at Straight Talk Health, I'm really about people taking control of their health and really recognizing what we do in medicine is predominantly symptom management, right? And I think we talked about this before when we first met, is you go to a doctor really, really good if you have a heart attack or really, really good if you had a stroke most of the time, I should say. But we're not really good at any of the prevention stuff. And what's interesting about Crohn's and these inflammatory disorders is just what you were saying. The medications that we're using are not necessarily what we would call treating the disease. We're treating the symptoms and covering them up. And you know, sometimes you need to do that because if you're having a huge flare and you know you have lots of bleeding in your belly and things like that, but it, we're not really getting to the, the gist of the problem. And you had a couple of interesting points there. You had, when you talked about they wanted to remove your colon, mm -hmm. so, and you were young, 
and to take out your entire colon, I'm assuming they wanted to put like a colostomy bag and all that stuff on and then kind of confining your life to that. And you sort of made a decision that that wasn't it. You were, you were going to you were going to take control for yourself. And how much do you think that decision played into your further health decisions? It's like I'm I'm responsible. This is my health and I'm going to do something about that. Had you been doing that up until that point or was that really that turning point? That's a really good question. I think that was the turning point for me. I think up until that point, I had kind of felt like the victim, like, oh, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? That type of thing. And I had a friend who happens to be um, a social worker and counselor. And she said to me, you know, as long as you're using Crohn's disease as an excuse, why you can't do this other stuff, it's never going to go away. And so it was a combination. These both happened about the same time. So it was kind of like this total mental shift. And I honestly feel like making the decision to go gluten-free gave me back my life. Yeah, yeah, no, because that was the other part that you, I wanted to bring on here is when you, then you started making that, you had that choice. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, if I get my time frame wrong, correct me, but within that first week, you said you were starting to stand up right and you were having like these pain-free interview, intervals <laughs> again. And what I, what's very interesting to me is you, you, you distinguish, and a lot of people can't distinguish this very well, you were like, this is a pain-free interval, and where, where are you now paying attention? Towards the pain-free part, or that little warning sign in the back is, when's this gonna end and what's gonna happen next? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times what we do is we fixate on, you know, and I've seen it, I, I've seen it more than once, where people have a, you know, they, they wanna get their pain under control, they wanna have sort of, the, you know, something get better, and then when it stops, they get be scared because then they're concerned. Well, when is this coming back, or is something else going on that I'm not aware of? And uh, how did you deal with that? I mean, did you? Because it, it it seems to me that you stopped looking at that other shoe. You stopped focusing on when is this going to return? How is this hampering my life? And really kind of moved on towards where I am now. I love my life. These are things that I really want to do to enjoy it, rather than keeping that little back burner thing that kind of pulls us back. Mostly, I was just so grateful to be feeling better after years of feeling horribly that I just wanted to do as much as I could, you know, and go out for however long it lasted. You know, I was thinking, if this only lasts for three months, then let me have three wonderful months. And I, I mean, I don't think I necessarily put it into words like that, like, oh, this is only going to last three months. But I was trying to just soak it all up. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, and it's interesting that you ask this question because every so often I catch myself, you know, I, it's been a long time since I've gone camping and I used to love that and then things changed. And so my husband and I were talking about camping the other day and he said, do you like camping? And I said, yeah, I used, before I met you, I used to go before I was sick and I would love to go again, you know, cause the way I like to camp, it's not at the state park with the outhouses and everything. It's out in the middle of nowhere with nobody around. <laughs> And you take a shovel and you dig your latrine and, you know, and when you're suffering from gastrointestinal distress, that can be less than pleasant. (laughs) But I'm like, hey, yeah, I feel good. Let's go camping. Yeah. So did you go? Yes. Oh, fantastic. 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 Yeah. And that was, you know, and you you also mentioned in your story how when you were, you're young and in school and um, you were really keeping yourself from doing things that you wanted to do because of the fear that something would occur. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of touched on again with the camping, but do you, do you, do you now focus on what you want to do and 
I, I would anticipate and plan for the good things. And yeah. if the bad things happen, you just adjust. Or what most of us do is we anticipate and plan for the bad things and then try to let those good things in happen as we're able. If, uh, um, I don't really think about flare-ups at all ever. I think in the last six years, I've had two days where I didn't feel well. And the pain was never on either of those days. They weren't back to back. And it wasn't as bad as it had been prior to um, this breakthrough, you know, going gluten-free and the whole mental shift. Um, and it was really interesting because even while I was feeling bad, I was still grateful that it wasn't this horrible flare-up. And in both cases, I had been really stressed and, under, you know, not enough sleep. And I knew I was pushing myself too much. I saw the warning signs and I was pushing anyway. Um, so now I listen to myself. If I just feel run down, I take it easy. Excellent. Excellent. And you, God, you're just hitting all these great things <laughs> I want to talk about here because, you know, too often in society, I, I've talked about stress quite a bit. And when it comes to our stress and health, we often pay lip service to it. We're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a heart attack. You're not thinking that we are. Or we don't really think, well, I, my stomach is getting worse because of I'm having stress in my life. But so often it is. And um, how would you, you know, the, the, the problem I have with it is people often don't want to hear that. They'll, they'll, they, they know that stress is around, but anytime you sort of ask them or say, have you looked at the stress in your life when you're looking at your health? They will either look at you like you're crazy sometimes. Sometimes they get really mad and, you, and they start saying, this is all, you're telling me this is all in my, in my head. Well, no, it's not. It actually does cause effects on your body. Um, but have you had any experience that or have you had friends where you've talked about the stress and effects on their health and, and what were your ways that you dealt with that? Absolutely. And I am a huge proponent of finding something that you love, not just for work, but for stress release. So some sort of hobby, if it's tennis, if it's for me, it's ballroom dance. Um, and I go to the gym and I take the Zumba classes because I love the fact that I'm thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not thinking about my shopping list or what I need to do tomorrow or the emails I have to return. You know, I'm solely focused on what I'm doing and it's kind of moving meditation for me. Um, I don't sit real well. I, I'm always on the go, so sitting still is hard. So trying to meditate the traditional way has been difficult for me. But this way I can bring myself fully present in the moment and I get moving, which is an added benefit and the endorphins and all that. So I'm always telling people, you know, find something you love to do. And it was interesting because a couple years ago, I wasn't really going to the gym. I was working all the time. And a friend said, well, besides work, what do you do? And I thought, oh, what do I do? You know, sometimes we take the dogs on walks. Sometimes I go hiking. I watch a lot of TV. I read a lot. But, but that's not that interesting to talk about. You know, I can talk about some books I've read and all that, but I, I needed to come up with some sort of hobby. And so that's when I turned to ballroom dance and was like, I love this. I love um, how there's rules, but there's also playfulness in it, kind of like cooking. And it just really feeds the creativity. Excellent. Excellent. Now, how, how is your health now then? Like, how would you say you are compared to you were 10 years ago? Oh, totally different person. I am healthier now than I have ever been in my life. Totally. And a lot of that is because once I started paying, first I went gluten-free, and then I started paying attention to the gluten-free foods I was eating and went healthier overall. Um, I tend to stick more to whole foods. I still like to have a treat, 
couple times a day. <laughs> and I try to limit myself to just a couple times a day. But, you know, before the bulk of my diet was muffins and cakes and cookies and pasta. And I eat a lot more vegetables, a lot more protein. Um, and I just feel better overall. I have more energy. Yeah. So it was like, like almost taking that first step. And once you demonstrated that you could take control of one aspect, it sort of started to mushroom into more. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, overall, if you if you had a, a lesson that you learned from this whole thing, what would you say it is? What's the main point you would say with your kind of only one. <laughs> well, we can start with one and we can add on to it. Um, I think the first one is that you really have to advocate for yourself. I have a friend who has celiac disease and she has a couple other things going on as well. But she's always complaining about this or that happening to her and woe is her and her life is terrible. And it's hard. Not only is it hard to be around her, but it's hard to give her any sympathy because I don't see her being proactive and doing things that would help her to feel better like working out or finding a hobby, um, something else to focus on. So I think taking charge of your life and knowing, especially when it comes to allopathic medicine, knowing um, what questions to ask and what to try for yourself and just being firm with that. And then the mental shift, you know, staying positive and focusing on what's good in your life definitely um, makes a difference. Excellent. Any, any more than that? That's the big one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, and then if you could go back in time and talk to a younger Kira, what advice would you give her now that would help her through this experience? You know, I don't know that I would give a younger me any advice because I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be and that everything that happened happened so that I could learn those lessons and get to this place. And if I went back to, you know, 19-year-old me the year before I started having all those super big flare-ups and said, you need to go gluten-free right now and your life will be better and you'll never be sick. I don't think I would believe myself. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm 19. You know, it's that kind of immortal. I'm so young. I don't need to do this. Um, well, and I'm going to add yeah. on to that now. So what if we can go back to that younger Kira, age 19, and instead of telling her something, we could just change it completely. Like if we could take out Crohn's from that moment in time, take out that adversity that you had, would you do so? Would you do it? But knowing, knowing that you would never have any of the memories and experiences that you have now from that. I love, I honestly, I am so happy. I love where I am. Um, I try to do something every day that scares the bejesus out of me. And right now that's building this new shop and expanding. Um, very exciting, but also very scary. But I think it's made me a stronger person. You know, they always say character is when you're, it's not innate in there. Well, it is, but it comes about when you're being tested and under fire and that's when you can demonstrate who you really are and I really think that this has been a real molding experience and if I never had these experiences I don't know I'd probably have some boring office job somewhere I don't know that I would have had the guts literally to <laughs> go out there and try something new yeah and and um, it is very interesting because there are so many awful things that can happen to people but we learn from those experiences so much and it really defines who we are and I think sometimes if we took a moment to appreciate them for the lessons that they give us. Now, we don't, I'm speaking from my experience here, we may never want to go back in time and go through them again. But <laughs> certainly those lessons that we learn are so important and they provide us so much value in almost anything. I mean, I, and I, I know, folks, that there are some horrible, horrible, horrible things out there that happen. 
but we can take those lessons that we learn from them and improve our life that forward, or we can use that to empathize with others. We can use those experiences to build up and grow with it rather than beating ourselves over the head with them over the time. I kind of talk about saying, you know, changing a why me question, changing it from why me into a what can I learn from whatever you would have in, in your life that experience. And so I, I just think that's uh, important. And I'm so glad to hear your own experiences with that because you, you, it's amazing. I, you know, folks, I ran into Kira at an event a couple, like, God, it was a month ago, a month or two ago. And uh, as I've told you on this show, I have a tendency to rant sometimes. I get real passionate about what I'm talking about. I get a little bit upset. And um, every once in a while, I'll, I, I'll meet a stranger and they'll ask, you know, what do you do? And I tell them I have a podcast and then they kind of go and ask a little bit more about that. And just like I think with you, I started going off the deep end a little bit. And I'm always concerned, but it was so fantastic because Kira was like, you know what? Thank you. No, I, I just remember that we had a great conversation and your story was just so inspiring. And you're you're such a role model for people who out there who have these diagnoses, because in a, in a standard Western model, we would tell you that Crohn's disease can never be cured that you will have it the rest of your life and you're probably going to be on drugs forever and in such so many ways it's, it's disempowering and mm-hmm. we I, I want people to realize yes we have medical care yes there's an important place for it you know i would certainly not go back to 200 years ago when we had no medicines and we were using leeches all the time but <laughs> we you know our health is our responsibility and rather than disempowering us by just saying well the doctors have to do something for me or or just trusting the doctors to have all the answers for us, you know, making these choices, making those those active choices and really viewing your health as your own responsibility is just critical. And, and Kira, it is just, I am so happy that we met. It is just fantastic, fantastic. All right, so besides your expansion, besides your, your, your cookbook, besides, you know, your camping experiences, what next do you have in the in the works? Is there anything else that you're thinking of in the next, you know, three to five years? Well, I've started working on cookbook number two, oh, awesome. and possibly number three simultaneously, different um, styles. And so who knows what's going to go on with that. And I would love to have a cooking show sometime or a baking show, you know, gluten-free centric. Um, I really enjoy helping teach other people how to do stuff for themselves. I do a lot of baking classes locally. Um, and even at gluten-free expos around the country. So I, that's something I would genuinely love. Very cool. Very cool. I'm not sure what else. <laughs> <laughs> now, besides your, your uh, own bloggers or your, uh, you know, your website for your, and you have some great recipes there, by the way, and actually was looking at some information, uh, got some fantastic cupcake recipes. But what is the, the best health resource that you would say you found that you would recommend to others? And this could be anything. The best health resource? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I read a lot of the Joseph Mercola articles. He's a kind of controversial naturopathic doctor, uh, writes a lot for the Mayo Clinic. And for people who are gluten-free, there's tons of resources out there. There's Gluten-Free Girl. There's the, let's see, Gluten-Free Canteen, Celiac Web. Um, I mean, really, you could just Google this and find out more about what it means to be gluten-free and how to make that transition. Additionally, my husband and I tend to eat fairly paleo, like 80% of the time. So um, we do dairy because I tolerate it just fine, or at least I'm in denial about <laughs> what it does to me. But we, we try to do low grains unless it's a treat. Um, we try to do low refined sugar 
again, unless it's a treat. So lots of meat and vegetables. And I just feel so much better, you know, and people say, but that's so expensive to eat like that. And I'll say, and how expensive are medications? Because one of the meds I was on was $1,800 a month after my insurance kicked in their portion. That was almost three times the amount of my mortgage payment. Yeah. So I, that wasn't sustainable for me. And it didn't really help. <laughs> no, and and uh, you know what, what's the price of your health? You know, exactly. That's uh, the other part is is what what price do you put on feeling good? <laughs> and so often we don't think about that. You know, you're going to pay for it one way or another. You, so you can either pay for it at the front end and eat good nutrient dense ingredients, or you can pay for it on the back end and take all these different pills, and then other pills mitigate the symptoms of the first pills, etc. Absolutely, and they just stack on each other. All right. Well, Kira, thank you so much again. um, It's just a pleasure, you know, to get to know you some more and uh, maybe I'll have you on again sometime. Hoping if anybody has any questions, you know, always just send them to me. Email Kevin at straightshothealth.com. Follow up questions, whatever the case may be. If you need a secret recipe, maybe we can get one of those out of Kira too. (laughs) Uh, But until next time, folks, stay well. Thanks. Thanks.